This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard this United Airlines Flight 458 to San Diego. This is a what the fuck moment. You're gonna have to rip out all the guts of this house and just start over. Your pitch isn't working. Your story isn't working. And it's not that your business isn't working. It's the way you're telling it. Matt, give us the gut puncher. Tell us straight, is Viger gonna make it? A unicorn in business is a privately owned startup company valued at over $1 billion. We're Ben and Joel. We believe every human deserves access to a world-class education. And our tech startup, Vigo, is trying to make that a reality. Now, we're not from Silicon Valley. In fact, we're from the opposite side of the world, Australia. We have a billion-dollar vision and we need to launch into the US in 12 months. In many ways, the odds are stacked against our startup but we've just been given a miracle. The number one business coach in the world, Matt Mashari, has just agreed to coach us for one year. Matt's not your usual coach, and we're not your usual founders. This is the story of that year, raw and unfiltered. Episode eight, what have we learned? Chapter one, final destinations. 18 months ago, as a complete joke, we just emailed Matt Mashari to see if we could convince him to talk to us. And he did. I can't think of like many people in my life who I met and then they just radically changed it. I don't know, like three or four people if you take out like my family, meeting my family as a baby. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Your mum gave you life and then Matt Mashari (laughs) changed it. I feel like in the last 18 months, every aspect and angle of my life has been ripped apart and then been built back again. It has been both an extremely painful process as well as an extremely fun process. Matt helped us in in every way I thought he would. I thought we're going to run out of money. I didn't know how to hire an engineer. I had to get rid of our entire engineering team. We didn't know how to get investment. We didn't know how to get the sales we needed. Ben and I didn't know how to work together the way we needed to. Everything I expected Matt to be able to help us with, he exceeded. But more than that, Matt helped me so much on a personal level that I don't think I can ever thank him enough. Matt helped my personal relationship with Ben. Matt helped in the most complex and traumatic family situation I've ever been in. But I think more than anything else that Matt helped me through is Matt helped me stop trying to be who I think I needed to be And he helped me start being who I know I am, which is just makes your entire life better. I am Rihanna Dietrapani and I'm married to Joel. I think Joel has gone through a roller coaster of emotions. And this was truly the biggest test he had to face. When you're running your own business and a startup, it's already extremely draining and absorbing enough without having to worry about all these external pressures. So yeah, it's hard. I look back now, which, by the way, I think everyone is in a good place, but I look back and think, wow, it was really fucked up for a while. And I have no idea how Joel managed it. We went through everything with Matt from our relationships with our families, our relationships with our wives, our friends, our relationships with ourselves, our own mental health, our own energy. What do we want? How do we approach the day? How are we setting ourselves up for success? What are we even individually good at? 
all of those things before we even really talk about the company and what is Vigo really and what is it really doing and where are we really going? Where do we really want it to go? And what part of that is what we want? What part of that is what investors want? Matt's been taking us through everything, inside out, upside down, back to front. Matt's torn us apart and put us back together again. My favorite Matt quote from the whole time working with him is when he just says several times, this is a what the fuck moment. And you know you're in for it at that point and you just know that he's so correct. Your pitch isn't working, your story isn't working. And it's not that your business isn't working, it's the way you're telling it. I watched your pitch. I was completely and utterly uncompelled. And then towards the end, you said, yeah, and we're like, we've been in this for three years and we've got, you know, we're ramping two to three. It's like, oh my God, you've actually got a real business. The way you described it sounded like two guys who are sitting on a couch, pie in the sky and have have never talked to a customer before. Where did Matt give us advice that I didn't expect? Really, I just, I never thought Matt would venture beyond business. I never understood a coach to care about you personally. So when Matt was just so kind and generous with his time and, and, and so passionate about unpacking who we are as people and helping us as people, I couldn't really comprehend it. I couldn't understand it. I, I didn't feel ready to share with, with someone like that. I, I thought I was pushing the boundaries too much. I thought I was, I thought I was really just being unprofessional, but, but for Matt, everything is on the table because he's not a business coach. He is a coach, he's your coach. He wants you to be successful. Because if any business is gonna be successful, it's about having successful people and having happy people and people that are okay. I'm Stephen, I'm a co-founder and chief architect at Vigo. It's really hard to like step back and look at, you know, this is what things were like, you know, five years ago and this is what they're like now. Like you guys had just come from just being like university, then engineers. When you look at Ben and Joel, they know how to run a company now. Like they look like they know what they're doing. (laughs) There's just been massive steps. Like they've taken massive steps to learn and improve in their roles as leaders. And coming from where they started, it's like a massive leap. It's like really comforting to me that the areas of the business that they lead are in good hands. When we picked up the great CEO within book, it said that Steve from Reddit, you know, had said that Within a couple of hours, Matt Mashari had added billions of dollars to the valuation of Reddit. For Vigo, we're still not a billion dollar company. <laughs> we're not there yet. But because of Matt's help, we are, that reality is now just, it feels so much more tangible and it feels so much more closer. And we just have so much more confidence on our path towards being that unicorn company, the Decacorn company. I don't know what you call a hundred billion dollar company, hundredcorn. A hundred corn. A hundred corn company. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, center corn, I'm such an idiot. Ah. <laughs> Chapter two, last words of advice. Joel, where are we? All right. Kind of feels like we're in the middle of nowhere right now, but we're on our drive to meet Mashari for the first time. Where's that? So we're in Kauai, in Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, private road, no trespassing, that's a good sign. We've been... We have been taking wrong turns for about the past half an hour. Completely my fault. Yeah. This is like a semi-dirt road. Apparently Matt's place is at the end of it. Doesn't seem like a billionaire's house. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this place? Holy shit, some of the views here. What? Holy fuck, I feel so nervous right now, dude. Hi, Hi Kim. Kim, nice to meet you. Uh, nice. Who's the coaches of Matt's? Oh, okay. Uh, 
okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure you were Mattis? Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. This way? Awesome, thank you. Yeah, thanks. How's it going, guys? How's it going, Matt? Hey, How's it going? Hey, Ben and Joel. How's it going, man? <laughs> Joel and Ben, it's been too long. Great to see you guys. Good to see you too, Matt. Matt. Thanks for meeting up with us today. Thanks for coming along and, uh, and co-hosting with us. Absolutely. It's always fun to be here with you guys. 12 months ago or 18 months ago, the craziest thing I could ever imagine happening in the world was that we got a response from Matt Mashari by email. So I feel very, very fortunate to have had you in my life and, and very appreciative of that. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate that. Right on. Well, I remember when I first met you guys in, in that first coaching call, I actually had the thought, oh shit, this actually isn't going to work. Because the problems you described to me, like, whoa, we're so far off base. You guys were running out of money. You guys didn't have product, or you had, I guess, a little bit of product market fit, but there wasn't enough, there weren't enough customers to buy and, and the product was lagging and I thought, oh God, this is, this house is too broken to fix. And so I just, I didn't know what else to do. So I just blasted you. I just came out hard saying, you're gonna have to rip out all the guts of this house and just start over. And I didn't know if you guys could do it. And then you came back the next call and you're like, all right, Matt, we did all that stuff and it worked. And that was the moment when I realized, wow, Okay, these guys might make it. I do remember you blasting us, but I'm I'm, I'm glad you didn't you didn't give us the true opinion of how broken the house was, Matt. <laughs> um, in that first session, yeah. Look, when I think back, I I started started to tear up before just thinking about a couple of the things. Uh, it's a lot, and um, I was trying to think about how to just best describe it. But there's just parts of my like my my soul now that I just. They feel restored and I feel energized and I feel hopeful and I feel excited about the future and I feel like I have a much, much stronger you know, operating base to tackle whatever's going to be coming up. And yeah, I mean, as Joel said, just so extremely grateful for every single second we've had. I was going to say in the ring with you. I mean, <laughs> in the video call ring with you, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it's in the ring. <laughs> a lot of people have told me, Matt, I don't know if you're a great coach or if you just coach the the best CEOs on the planet. And you know, that's that's a pretty fair comment or accusation or whatever you want to call it. And so I'm not even sure if I'm a good coach. And so Ben and Joel were starting in a very different position. They're starting in a much smaller, much earlier, hadn't succeeded yet. So there was this part of me that was like, let's see if I'm a good coach or not. So that was part of the challenge too. And it's been fun. And I don't know, I still don't know if I'm a good coach or if I just coach great people, but. Ben and Joel are crushing it, so they're clearly great co-CEOs. So it's true. I mean, most of the problems that I'm solving on a day-in, day-out basis are, hey, the exec team isn't, you know, getting along and there isn't trust between them, or diversity and inclusion issues. So these are the issues that come up when you have a company that's 500, 1,000, 3,000 people. And when a company is small and they're trying to get to product market fit and they're trying to sell into their first customers or break into a new market, that's a completely different thing. No one needs to get along. It's like Ben and Joel, they are the exec team. And so it's a very different thing. Now it's much, much more real. It's much more, how do we get to these customers? How do we find out their problems? How do we solve their problems? And frankly, it's kind of more fun because it does feel real. 
Matt, what you probably don't know is my wallpaper right now is, is uh, it is what would Matt Mashari do? <laughs> and like, I think what I've, what I've, what I've come to see it like Perfect. now over the last year is like, you continue to surprise me every time. Um, but I feel like you're now just a voice permanently in the back of my brain. <laughs> I think it's a muscle more than anything else. So Ben and I have been working this muscle and you've been there to correct us this whole time. But I feel like we do have this internal Matt Mashari voice now, which, which just asks us questions like, are we doing this the right way? Are we facing this from fear? Are we separating story from facts? And I don't think we'll ever get perfect at it, but I think that we constantly understand the value that this can add to us because we've seen it time and time and time again, what a changes can make to, to our lives personally and, and in Vigo. I think when you just understand the value, it's so easy to have it as part of our business. And when you truly believe something and live something authentically, people around you can't help but living it either. I don't feel like I ever have to force our company to to embody this because they can just see that this is part of who we are now and this is part of Vigo's DNA. So we've got the base operating system. We've got the core habits. I think, uh, yeah, I think this is going to scale. It's going to scale. Definitely. Yeah, that, that part that part I'm pretty sure of. <laughs> the early stages I wasn't sure of, but the later stages I'm pretty confident. <laughs> uh, That's great. In fact, there was a point where I used to say that like once people hit like 25, 30 people, that's when the people problems began. And then I would coach people at that level and then I would help them, you know, implement the, the habits and the system. And then, and then later they would sort of go on and they would say, Matt, you said there would be problems at 25 to 30 and I didn't experience any problems. And I realized, oh no, I put the system in before the problems occurred so they didn't even notice the problems. They never happened. So then I stopped coaching people that were at that level and I would only start coaching once they hit like 75 or 100 employees and they were really feeling the pain and then I would come in and coach them. Then I would put the system in. Then it would solve the problems. Then they'd be like, oh, thank you, Matt. That was so great. And that was just because I'm a vain guy and I want to be viewed as a, you know, a, a hero. And, uh, but there you go. So I am confident that I, it will scale. I feel like we're now spoiled kids, Matt, <laughs> by that definition. We never lived the pain. Uh-oh. Now you got me worried again. I'm back in fear. <laughs> you guys had plenty of pain when I arrived. <laughs> right on alright Matt give us the gut puncher tell us straight is Vigo going to make it yeah Vigo's going to make it and here's why there's a real problem that you're solving and the, the companies that I've seen that don't make it are the ones that just raise tell a really good story and raise a shitload of money but it's just a story there's no real human behind it that's got a real problem that they are solving, that the company is solving that problem and in a profitable way. If you're willing to keep going year after year after year, it's eventually gonna work because you're gonna keep learning and learning. Whatever problems you encounter, you're gonna figure it out and then there'll be another problem, you're gonna figure it out. So I've already seen the amount of distance you've traveled over the past, 18 months and the amount of learning you've done in those 18 months and clearly your commitment to keep going. I have ne- I've never heard from either of you, I can't take this anymore, I wanna quit. And of course, if you had said that, we would have figured out a way to make it fun for you to keep going, but that never ca- those words never came out of your mouth. And therefore, yes, you will succeed. 
Not much of a gut puncher, but I loved it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to that every morning when I get up. <laughs> Chapter three. Going forwards together, but separately. The last year has been incredible and I really just can't believe the impact that Matt's made on our business and on our lives. But now it's really on us. The coaching part of the journey is over. We're joining the esteemed ranks of globally renowned CEOs that have passed through Matt's doors. Ultimately, Vigo is why we are in the US and Vigo's success relies on us. It's time to hit the mainland and head to Arizona with a quick stop off in Vegas. Uh, hey, there, there are universities in Vegas and uh, hey, we've risked everything to get to this point. Let's put a couple of dollars on blackjack. Ah, check out our Vegas tattoos. <laughs> He's got one too. We got the crown, crown tattoo, matching crown tattoos when we got into Europe with Vigo. Now we're getting the cowboy hats for the US. <laughs> so when we went to Europe, we just, you know, got a little bit carried away on a pub crawl and got the tattoo. And then the other night, we got a little bit carried away in the casino and got the tattoo. <laughs> to make the story better, we won all the money for this gambling in <laughs> Vegas. Don't tell the investors. <laughs> we put this some chips down because we thought we understood what was going on. And then, uh, then they just handed us money back when we didn't think we'd won. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. So we put money down and then they rolled the dice and I got really excited. So I started celebrating. And they didn't give me any money. And I was like, I obviously don't understand this game. Pure skill. <laughs> Outside of Vigo, I'm pretty anti-gambling. But when in Vegas, you got to have a crack. And uh, the fact that we just couldn't stop winning, we're not saying this is a sign, but it's definitely a sign. Chapter four, the conference and negotiating tactics. When we started working with Matt, it was so clear where we needed to be in 18 months. And I didn't know if it was possible. We needed to break the US market. If we had any chance at all of making the impact in the world we wanted, of actually making education accessible, we needed to break into the US market and we needed to beat ASU GSV. Because the last time that happened, we doubled or tripled our business. We, we created more opportunities for students. And so we needed to get there. Being on the other side of the world, that, that wasn't an easy task. ASU GSV is the name of the world's leading education technology conference. So ASU GSV, that acronym, what the hell does that mean? ASU stands for Arizona State University, which is one of the leading tech and innovation universities in America and globally. And GSV stands for Global Silicon Valley, which is one of the world's uh, leading venture capital firms. And they have a really big education focus. It happens every year in San Diego. And the who's who of investment and for the most part of universities, uh, buyers as well, they all get into one massive conference center for three days of the most hectic end-to-end -end networking. And in Vigo's history, we were able to attend this pre-pandemic and that was an absolute game-changing moment. We got like a year's worth of traction in like one or two days of being at that conference. And now us coming back a few years later, now that the pandemic has allowed us to get back, we are in such an amazing and strong position. And we're just so excited for like using this as the launch pad into our North American growth. It all happens in America. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Thank you.
The conference was a fucking whirlwind. It was both one of the most exciting experiences I've ever had with Vigo and the most exhausting five days in history for anyone ever. There were just 10,000 conversations with interesting founders or investors or universities or students. I've never spoken about Vigo more and I've never felt more confident about the impact we can make on the world because of that. People were flocking to us. People were hearing our conversations and getting involved with us. People just followed on. It made every conversation easier because it wasn't a game. It wasn't a show. It was us just trying to make the world the reality we think it can be. And we drank so many margaritas <laughs> for business reasons. Yeah, business margs. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute highlight of ASU GSV for me was that there is an Australian investor who several years ago absolutely berated Ben and I, telling us that our business will not work, we will not succeed as founders, and there's no point continuing. It was one of the most humiliating meetings of my life. And in this meeting, he was reaching out to us, wanting to talk to us, and then when he met with us finally, it was just a different world. It's like he'd forgotten that moment. He'd forgotten that world that, that we came from. And we were just this... We were the cool startup. We were the, the start that he, he missed out on. He was surprised we were alive. <laughs> he was surprised where we'd come. He did not see this coming. And it was just such a sweet moment and, and to see how far we'd come and how far Matt had helped us grow. We felt like we actually had a gravity uh, pulling towards us. People recognized the brand. They recognized us. They knew about what we'd been doing. Investors were trying to headhunt and get meetings with us. It, it was so refreshing. It was so nice. And it was... It's the first time I had Joel there too. So like we just we just kept amping each other up, up and up and up and up and up. And there was there was no um, there was no fear barrier. We would just we would just run at any any opportunity we saw. And we've had some pretty crazy opportunities just out of nowhere. We got to hang out with one of our um, idols, Chris Voss. We didn't see that coming. Matt actually recommends Chris Voss's uh, book Never Split the Difference as part of the Great CEO Within. It's one of his top things. He says to go out and read after this. And Chris Voss's techniques are really centered around having empathy for the, the, the person that you're talking to and, and making them feel understood and, and them heard. What would you say are the keys to building great relationships? Well, uh, actually listening and then actually letting your, at a bare minimum, letting somebody know what you've heard, that you've heard all the way through. Most people's conception of empathy is wrong. Empathy is an action. It's not a state of being. It's not understanding. It's demonstrating understanding. How the heck does the other side know that you understand? Like, because you have an understanding look on your face or they feel it just by your body language? Nobody knows if you understand unless you express what it is that you think you understand. How do you know that you got it right if you're not willing to check in with them to find out that you're accurate. Yeah. So genuinely understanding the other side, but not expressing that, but simply understanding it is all you got, then that relationship is destined for yep. failure. So that's, that's really one of the big things about empathy and the application of empathy. It's an action. It's not a state of being. I think we've seen that a whole lot as well, that like trying to get to that point of understanding of what their values are. We don't even need to get it right. Right. But that, that active stance that you're taking... To understand. 
is that showing you that I'm trying to get on the same right. page as you really does help with building that relationship. And, and that's really helped us a whole lot. So we're currently at ASU GSV, which is a really big matchup of some of the, the leading uh, institutions in education, the leading investors in education, but then a lot of people like us, uh, entrepreneurs, uh, trying to make it big. Is there any additional you know, feedback you would give to startups and entrepreneurs in applying some of your tactics? Well, one thing we didn't really talk about that much in the book, but we're, we're, we talk about a lot more now is you don't want to make a deal with everybody. Not everybody is for you. Not everybody you negotiate with is going to share your core values. Those are bad deals. That deal is going to take you longer to implement and be less profitable no matter how much money its face is on the table. And that business relationship is going to fail. So maybe 20% of the world are the people you should be doing business with just because of a core value mismatch. Nothing, no bad on them, no bad on you. But figure out your core values early and then you either make the deal or move on. Yep. Now, even though it's a minority of the world, I'm crossing 90% of the U.S. off my list. I still got 30 million people to do business with. That's more than Australia. That's more <laughs> than... And that's more than I need to make a living off. Yeah. You know, so the sooner you start figuring out who's bad for you, the people who are good for you show up. And... You get repeat business. But when you're just starting out, you don't want to start crossing people off the list. You're desperate to pay the bills. You got a yeah. mortgage. You know, I, I, gotta, I, I need a deal now. I wish I'd heard that piece of advice two years ago, but I know it's something I can put into work today for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that will be critical for startup founders because at the beginning of the journey, it's so easy to just take the deal for the sake of having a deal. Right. But it just doesn't work out in the long, in the long term. You, you run in the wrong direction. You put the effort in the wrong space. And, right. And, right. and I think, yeah, put, putting that effort into people that matter just will in the end narrow the people you work with, but allow you to accelerate a whole lot faster. Accelerate much faster. Yeah, I love that. I guess kind of down that same vein is uh, for startup founders that they're often looking to, to raise capital investment to, to grow their business. When you're raising funds and growing your business as, as an early stage startup, you often have little leverage and little proof going into those negotiations. How would you go into a negotiation where the other person really has, at least at the forefront, a lot of the leverage? Well, leverage is like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. And first of all, if they're talking to you, if you want to think in terms of leverage, you got leverage. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking to you. So your calculation is almost irrelevant. What matters is their calculation. Now, then conversely, I was talking to a start, some startup founder just a little while ago who was talking about they're going to be in a pitch session. And he said, yeah, we really want these guys. I mean, these are the guys of all the people who can invest in us. We really want them. And, uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to show them that. And so I tried to get him to see the analogy because that's exactly what he should be showing him. If I'm an investor and I'm looking for, at a startup, I want to know these guys are going to die for me before they fail. And everybody can say that, but who, who do you really want to do business with? If there's an investor there that, that you want them above all others, that's what they want to hear. Because they got they 10 people that are trying to treat them like commodities. If I'm just dollars to you, then I got no inclination to put my money into you because you're not going to care if you fail. Chris isn't wrong. He knows exactly what he's doing. And negotiating on top of Matt's relationship method is something we are really going to have to hammer home in the next few months and years. Because we've built a business in Australia. We're building a business in Europe, but building a business in the US, now that's a whole different beast. 
Chapter 5, The End of the Beginning. Walking out of ASU GSV, Joel and I were simultaneously absolutely destroyed as humans because we put all of our energy into it. But also we had so much, we walked out of there feeling like kings. That conference was just phenomenal end to end. We met so many people. We won so many people over to being interested in our mission. What's super exciting is that we were able to walk out of ASU GSV with one of those acronyms actually now as our North American partner, our Lighthouse Account, which is our Arizona State University. We honestly, I couldn't imagine a better university for us to be working with as our Lighthouse Account into North America. And anyone that I tell about this, they're just like, holy shit, how did you pull that off? <laughs> so I'm, I'm so stoked. I, uh, it's an absolute badge of honor now. And uh, we've, we have our next four or five US Lighthouse partners lined up as well. We needed to make it into the US. And did we make it? You tell me. Howdy, partner. I fucking live here now. I think we were having just a bit of a conversation about, you know, his trip to the US and how awesome it was and how he loved being there. And somehow it ended up being, oh, why don't you move there? Or like, why don't we move there? And he was just like, oh, don't be ridiculous. We can't do that. And I was just like, why not? I guess at the time, when the words were coming out, my brain hadn't caught up to what I was actually suggesting. You kind of was just like, holy shit, I think I can move to the US. We have no real commitments here. We're in a really good position to do that. My job is pretty flexible. I could probably get a job easily in the States. We went to a wedding recently and obviously everyone was drinking and there were a lot of tears. There were a lot of tears over the fact that Joel was moving. Not Joel and I, <laughs> just Joel. So I think uh, I think both Ben and Joel are going to find it quite challenging to be away from each other. They've been in such close quarters for the past decade that, you know, it's a big move. I think the move will be challenging, but I mean, as everything, we're doing it for the greater good, we're doing it for the growth of, you know, personal growth and professional growth for the company. So I think in the long run, it'll all be worth it. But it will be challenging. You know, this is only the beginning. These Lighthouse University customers and partners that we've brought on board, we now need to actually make them into raving fans. We need to make sure that they are extremely successful and that they are very keen to go out and speak the gospel to the rest of their market. We now need to go over and establish actually our North American team and bring over our local talent onto our mission. And we need to showcase ourselves much more to the local investors and win them onto the mission as well for future funding rounds. All while not dropping the ball on the rest of our global responsibilities too. And all this work that we have to do, we have to remember that it is not from a static, stable world. The world is just keeps changing and keeps moving and shifting underneath us. It, you know, it looks like we're about to go into another global financial uh, issue with the stock market crash. Like, great, can't wait to see what challenges that brings on top. <laughs>
But yeah, that's the one thing about Vigo is you can't kill us. We are cockroaches. We will outlive the next meteorite that hits the earth. Uh, Vigo will live through that. Uh, that's the one thing that we know about Joel, Stephen and I. You can't kill us. All right, we're going to end season one with a few words from our chief of staff, Ash, who in no way was instructed to say this. No company is perfect. And that's... That's the truth. Every company has huge flaws. Every company has challenges. Every company has wins. And Vigo's no difference in that sense. But that being said, I definitely believe that Vigo will succeed. And the reason I believe it will succeed is because I believe in its founders. They can do pretty much anything they set their mind to. And I know that when investors look at companies, they look at the founders. And it's become evidently clear to me why that is the case because if you have people steering a ship or steering an aeroplane or driving that aeroplane in the right direction as they head off to Arizona, I think that's going to be the key marker of success. So when I look at both of them and I see the passion they put towards the company, the thoughts they have, the excitement they get from those thoughts and their drive towards the mission, I definitely think Vigo is a company I would invest in and I do invest in as an employee because I do think it will make the difference that they want it to make and it will be successful. You've been listening to The Unicorn Launcher. Everything you've heard in this podcast has been 100% genuine. If you want to know more about Vigo, find us online. And if you want to know more about business, find Matt online. And check out his book, The Great CEO Within. It might just change your life. 